0: I really have two sermons today, but I think you'll be able to tell when one stops and the other starts. And I promise not to spend two sermons worth of time on this. Last Sunday, the gospel lesson told a famous story of what is commonly known as the prodigal son. And the tale is famous partly for the obvious ways it can become an allegory for many human relationships, emotions, and interactions? Is the father in the tale to be understood to be God who forgives on an unbelievably grand scale? Is the younger son the prodigal an emblem of those who act selfishly but then try to repent? Is the elder son That part of all of us when we feel cheated of what is rightly our reward for obedience and hard work. But in today's gospel, no such compelling and detailed episode unfolds. We hear instead about Mary of Bethany washing Jesus' feet with costly oil. Instead of a parable which is open to discussion and disagreement and various interpretations, we have a rather straightforward incident in the life of Jesus. An incident which causes some mixed response and opens a brief disagreement between Jesus and his eventual betrayer, Judas, about, of all things, feeding the poor. It contains several quite absolute pronouncements by Jesus. Pronouncements which could be seen as Contradictory to the heart of his major teachings. Here in John's gospel is not a long, fascinating parable where we can agree or disagree about what is meant by the roles and actions. But instead, here is Jesus having dinner with Mary and her siblings, Martha and Lazarus. And he says things that may puzzle or disturb us. He's allowing one who cares deeply for him and also one who will betray him, to understand that he is not an ordinary man and that the extraordinary extravagance is to be allowed. The poor they can feed forever. This is not the Jesus of some of the other familiar episodes. He is not, for Mary of Bethany, any longer just her friend and teacher, but a holy figure. Her expenditure of a great sum of money on fragrant oil with which to anoint his feet, she sees as fitting. This is what one does for God. Judas, by contrast, attempts to be the practical one. The one who would put the needs of the poor first. But Jesus chastises him, knowing he is a hypocrite. Although Jesus never says to Mary and to Judas as she anoints his feet, I am the Messiah. It is clear that he is affirming her seeming extravagance. Then Paul in his letter to the Philippians today reminds them that he has done everything right. With nothing to regret, he's been a totally attentive Jew, has followed all the laws He's not afraid of judgment, but he would give it all, all his rigid care, all his cautious and persistent attention to righteous behavior, all his careful adherence to the law, if he could attain the presence of Jesus. Whatever I had as gains, I regard as losses because of Christ, he says, Mary of Bethany and Paul of Tarsus are powerful examples of people trying to come to terms with Jesus as someone who is beyond total comprehension, who is in fact the Messiah. Remember too that it is Mary's sister Martha who says to Jesus, you are the Messiah. And now by her deed, Mary recognizes the same. And for Paul, the excruciatingly devout and law-abiding Jew, all that discipline is worthless in comparison to serving Jesus, who is the Christ. We often feel reassured and comforted by thinking of Jesus as a friend, just a man who moved about like everybody else who ate and drank and walked and talked with ordinary people. He is our friend. And we like that image. And be assured, it is a valuable image. Yet, today's two readings remind us not to forget the other overwhelming dimension of Jesus the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Word. He is part of the divine reality. In Isaiah today, the God of the Hebrews says... I'm about to do a new thing and we as Christians see in Jesus the powerful nature of that new thing. This is God incarnate. It is not a metaphor of the forgiving father when the prodigal returns, nor of the Samaritan who cares for the wayfarer who had fallen among thieves, nor the friend on the beach roasting a fish for his disciples. It is Jesus the Christ, the Holy One, the second person of the Trinity. As we enter the final weeks of preparation for Holy Week and Easter, today's readings give us what I see as a valuable jolt. This is a time to remember not just the death of the man, Jesus, and anticipate his escape from death, It is also a time to remember that we commemorate the last earthly days of God who became man and dwelt among us. He is treated as a king by Mary. He is remembered as divine by Paul. And Jesus scolds Judas who would diminish that. Without for a minute reducing his care for the poor or denying that we must always care for them, Jesus has contempt for Judas for being unable to see the truth. And he bestows on Mary his praise for recognizing who he is. Mary gives all she has to Jesus. Paul says he would do the same if only it were possible. So he offers what he can by spreading the good news of Christ. We might think this week about what the best is that we have to give and how we might offer it. I couldn't stop today before I said a few things about some events and some dates on the calendar that have struck me personally during this week. Today is St. Patrick's Day of course Patrick is called by many the first bishop of Ireland, although I like to remind people that he was born in Scotland sometime in the 5th century. His understanding of the power of Jesus' message motivated him to become one of the great missionaries in church history and in church legend. The little information we have about Patrick is that he was captured as a boy by raiders of some sort, sold into slavery in Ireland. And while there, his faith stabilized. And when he escaped and returned home, he vowed to prepare himself as a priest and return to Ireland to spread Christ's message. All this he did. However, biologists assure us that there never were snakes in Ireland and that 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 lack had nothing to do with Patrick. Although, as someone reminded me at the 9 o'clock discussion, there are now snakes in Ireland, because people have had them as pets and released them. So where is Patrick now that we need him? Also this week, on Tuesday, the 19th, is a day dedicated to St. Joseph, the carpenter, probably more like the contractor or the builder, Joseph, husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, is little mentioned in the Gospels, but we all realize the crucial role he must have played in the rearing and protection of Jesus as a child and as a young man. He's referred to as Jesus' foster father by some modern writers, and he calls up special meaning for me. As a child in Southern California, I and my family always considered the mission of San Juan Capistrano as our mission I and my family always went there on Sunday drives or for family picnics. And it's there that the famous swallows return to nest in the tiles. And the swallows return to Capistrano on St. Joseph's Day. And he's the first saint whose commemorative date I knew but most personally, there's a hospital in Orange, California dedicated to St. Joseph, and I was born there. And finally, this week brought the world a new Pope, who for better or for worse will be an influence in the Christian world. And although he is not our Pope, he is considered by the non-Christian world to speak for all Christians. So we do need to pay attention and he has chosen to call himself Francis. I couldn't help being struck by two things about his name choice. First, that Francis of Assisi is known as a man who loved and cared for the poor, who preached the love of nature and all the natural world, who gave up wealth in order to serve, who founded a religious order dedicated to simplicity and poverty and love, I've been to Assisi and to the Basilica of St. Francis, as I know many of you have. It is a holy place. The second thing about the choice of the name Francis and what it stands for that struck me is to realize with surprise that no other pope has chosen that name. This is Pope Francis I. And I wondered what the others have been waiting for. <laughs> we may hope that this Francis will also honor the poor, stand up for those who are persecuted and those who are outcasts, and will bring some real light to the Church of Rome. <laughs> and so I end with this helpful line from Francis's Canticle of the Sun. Be thou praised, O my God, with all thy creatures, especially our brother, the Son, Amen.